welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Thursday, October 22nd, 2020. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show covers yesterday's COVID-19 update with comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Catherine Barger, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Thank you for listening, and to keep up with our department on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at LA Public Health, or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Barger. Thank you. Hello and good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for today's press briefing. I'm Supervisor Catherine Barger, Chair of the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Director of Public Health, is here to update on the latest trends in Los Angeles County and our, cur- and our current COVID-19 case counts. We continue to slowly ease health officer orders and move forward in our efforts to be safer at work, safer at play, and safer in our communities. One of our most critical tasks is maintaining our case rates so children can return to school. Along with the state, we have prioritized children with special needs and English learners as the most in need of in-person teaching. Previously, schools were approved to bring back 10% of the most vulnerable students for in-person learning. Throughout this process, the county monitored schools that reopened to inform our progress to advance further. We will now increase to 25% capacity for high-need students so more children and youth can have access to their teachers and the on-site support systems that are so critical for their growth and for their education. Many schools have used this program to bring a large portion of their youngest students back to campus, recognizing young children are unable to learn online and qualify as high-need students. Unfortunately, although the county's case rates and positivity rates are among the lowest in the country, I'm sorry, in the county, the state has not permitted us to reopen schools for all of our students. Also, we are moving forward with additional measures to align our health orders with those from the state. Later this week, we will remove reservation system for breweries and wineries and remove the food requirement for wineries. We will also provide an update to our health officer orders to enable family entertainment centers to open outdoors. I hope this provides much needed relief and respite for residents who are looking for some activities outside of their homes. These updates will also bring more employees back to work. The latest data we received from our Workforce Development, Aging and Community Services Department indicates a 16% unemployment rate in Los Angeles County. While this number is distressing, especially compared with our unemployment numbers in January and February of this year, we know that there are many more residents who are suffering from the economic toll of the the continued closures. During the summer, the county implemented a rent relief program. Over a week application period, we received nearly 90,000 applications. This demonstrates the huge need from our residents. The county was intentional about prioritizing residents in high-need areas for assistance. 5,000 applications from high-need areas were fast-tracked to receive immediate assistance. The Los Angeles County Development Authority has already begun to to issue payments to residents. The remaining applicants were placed in a lottery system where 5,700 more were selected. These applicants will be assisted by 28 service providers throughout the county. The providers will help with the documentation needed for issuing payments and quality control. Our goal in Los Angeles County is to ramp up payments distribution to an average of more than one million in rent relief each day toward the end of October. 
I applaud the continued partnership and response of our businesses, organizations, schools, and most importantly, of our residents. The county is here to support our communities, offer needed resources, answer questions, and provide timely information. Please visit our website at covid19.lacounty.gov for the latest updates. We encourage community members to continually use the tools we know are effective. Wear your mask, wash your hands, keep six feet apart, and stay home if you are not feeling well. With that, I would now like to invite up Dr. Farrar. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Supervisor Barger, and to the entire Board of Supervisors. Uh, your leadership has been instrumental in protecting our communities uh, during this pandemic. And good afternoon, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, today, I'm going to update you on the indicators that we're using to understand how well we're doing to slow the spread of COVID-19 in our communities. We have made a great deal of progress in L.A. County since we experienced the large surge in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in mid-July. But the last couple of weeks, we've seen some small increases in cases and test positivity rates, which are concerning as we continue to make progress on reopening schools and businesses. With more interactions between people, there's an increased risk of transmission that can result in people becoming seriously ill and tragically for some passing away. We do continue to closely monitor our data so that we can understand how the actions we take to slow the spread, as well as the actions we take to reopen sectors, affects our LA communities. And before sharing our recovery indicators, I want to just provide a quick update on school reopenings to date. And I'll take the first slide, please. As of October 19th, 986 schools have reopened for on-site learning for high-need students. 13% of these schools are private schools, 18% are charter schools, and just about 70% are public schools. Almost 35,000 students and 20,000 staff have returned for this uh, on-site learning opportunity. Uh, in addition, 110 school waiver applications to reopen on-site learning for grades TK through 2 have been received by public health. 87 applications have been received from private schools, 18 applications from charter schools, and five applications were received from public schools. Waiver approvals have been issued to four schools to date. And as a reminder, uh, once an application is completed, it takes us uh, somewhere between two and three weeks uh, to get the final approvals uh, through our system and then uh, to confer with the state. Um, but we are, as Supervisor Barger noted, uh, looking forward to uh, next week being able to expand opportunities uh, for students to come back for school for some in-classroom in uh, learning and support uh, activities. Uh, now I want to just return uh, to reviewing our recovery metrics. And I'll take the first slide, please. Uh, the first slide shows us the daily reported cases from April 17th through October 17th. As you can see, cases dropped significantly uh, at the beginning of August all the way through the start of September. We were averaging under 800 uh, cases per day. However, since the middle of September, we started to see the daily number of cases creep up. And this is a cause for some worry. Last week, the average number of cases was about 1,000 cases per day. We'll take the next slide. 
the next slide shows our percent test positivity. This is the percentage of tests that are done that come back positive. The test positivity rate is influenced by how much community transmission is happening and the availability of widespread testing. And again, I want to thank Dr. Galley and her team at the Department of Health Services for really expanding access to testing over the last few months. Since the spike we saw in cases, positivity rates, hospitalizations, and deaths in July, we did see positivity rates decrease significantly and stabilize. In late July, the positivity rate was about 7.6%, and over the last month, the positivity rate has been uh, between 3.4% and 3.7%. However, similar to our case data, this is a slight increase that we'll need to carefully watch. And I'll take the next slide. We also continue to track the daily number of people with COVID-19 that are hospitalized so we can understand the impact of COVID-19 on the healthcare system and understand the number of people that are facing serious illness from the virus. Similar to the previous chart, there's been a steady decline in stabilizing in the number of hospitalized COVID-19 patients, and this shows you uh, from the time period at the end of July. We've been below 1,000 daily hospitalized patients uh, for most of September, and most recently, LA County is averaging under 800 hospitalized patients per day. Uh, we've not yet seen uh, any increases, even small increases uh, in hospitalizations, similar to what we've seen in cases. Uh, we do know that younger people are driving the increased number of new cases in our county, and this is a group that may be less likely to be seriously ill and require hospitalization from COVID-19. It also, however, could just reflect the lag between the time we start seeing an increase in cases and subsequent increases in hospitalizations. Next slide. Uh, we're relieved that we continue to see a decrease in deaths from COVID-19. Uh, this is due to an overall decrease in people becoming seriously ill from the virus and also due to the ability of our amazing healthcare providers to offer better therapeutic treatments uh, and uh, shorten recovery periods uh, for people who require uh, hospitalizations. Since the late July peak, uh, in average day, where we were averaging about 44 deaths a day, we've had a steady decrease. Uh, and last week, our average was between 11 and 13 deaths per day. And though we're pleased to see that deaths are, fa are falling, we do remain vigilant because we know that as cases increase, uh, we may again see more hospitalizations and deaths. We also know that every single person who loses their life to COVID-19 is very much missed and mourned uh, by members in our community. We'll take the next slide. Uh, our recovery journey, as we've noted before, is also influenced by the state's blueprint for safer economy. Uh, this provides a tiered framework that places counties in one of four tiers, depending on three metrics that measure the level of community transmission. Options for sector reopenings are, and permitted activities are aligned with each tier. As a reminder, this slide shows the metric thresholds that are set by the state to determine when counties can move to a new tier. The next slide. LA County currently remains in tier one with widespread community disease transmission. Our adjusted case rate remains high at 
new cases per 100,000 people, and this is the reason why we're remaining in the most restrictive tier. Our positivity rate, as you, as you can see on this slide, uh, is still within the tier three threshold at 3.4%, and this is a small decrease from last week. And our positivity rate in LA County's lowest resourced areas decreased very slightly from last week to 5.9%, placing us in tier two for this metric. Uh, but as a reminder, the state places you in the most restrictive tier when all of your metrics are not just in one tier. And I think uh, many of us are discouraged that we haven't yet reduced our case rate enough to move to tier two. I do want to note that we do have the tools at hand to drive transmission rates down in our communities. Not only do we want to eventually progress into less restrictive tiers, but we want to be able to continue to keep businesses and institutions open. Next slide. Every two weeks, we also report on the experiences of our highly impacted groups. And this, group, this graph shows that over time, Cases are decreasing across all groups and gaps are continuing to close. At the mid-July peak, the average daily cases among Latinas, Latinos, Latinx residents, and that's the yellow line at the top, was at about 200 cases per 100,000 people. And this was four times higher than the rate of that for white residents, which is the orange line, at 50 cases per 100,000 people five times higher than the rate for Asian residents back in July at 37 cases per 100,000 people, and that's the blue line. As of October 11th, the case rate amongst Latinos, Latinas, Latinx residents, while as you could see, it remains consistently higher than all other groups, is currently at 51 cases per 100,000 residents, and this is now twice the rate for white residents who are at 26 cases per 100,000 people. Compare that to four times the rate in July. Cases among black residents, and that's the, the green line, were at 80 cases per 100,000 residents in July, and that again was significantly higher than that of white and Asian residents. But the case rate now among black residents is less than that of white residents at 21 cases per 100,000 people. The case rate amongst Asian residents continues to be the lowest, and now it's at about 11 cases per 100,000 people. We'll take the next slide. This slide shows average daily hospitalizations per 100,000 people by race and ethnicity, and we see significant declines across all groups and a closing of the gap between the Latinx and black rates when compared to the rates of other groups. During the mid-July spike, hospitalizations per 100,000 Latinx people were about 28 cases per, per 10,000 people, oh, per 100,000 people. And that's four times greater than the rate for white residents at seven cases per 100,000 people. As of October 10th, hospitalizations among Latinx residents were 7.6 cases per 100,000 people. This is slightly more than twice the rate for white residents at three hospitalizations per 100,000 people. Again, a slight uh, decline and a slight closing of the gap. The daily hospitalization rate among black residents uh, in July was double that for white residents. And now hospitalizations among black residents, uh, again, 
uh, have dropped to uh, one have dropped to 4.4 uh, uh, hospitalizations per 100,000 people, and this again is just slightly higher than the rate for white residents at three hospitalizations per 100,000 people. Asian residents as a group, again, have the lowest hospitalization rate at 1.5 residents hospitalized per 100,000 people. It's important to note as we continue to our efforts to eliminate disproportionality in our rates, we need to be mindful that gaps are not closing because rates increase in communities that have lower rates. So it's about everybody continuing to make progress as we close the gaps. Next slide. Uh, with the number of deaths that we've seen from COVID-19 across our county uh, creating so much devastation, uh, we are encouraged that we continue to see decreases in people dying, and this is happening across all race and ethnicity groups. During the July peak, the mortality rate among Latinx residents was six deaths per 100,000 people, and that was four times the rate for white residents who had a mortality rate of 1.5 deaths per 100,000 people. As of October 11th, the mortality rate among Latinx residents decreased to 1.3 deaths among, uh, uh, per 100,000 people, and that's now twice the rate for white residents and Asian residents that have a mortality rate that's dropped to a little less than one death per 100,000 residents. The mortality rate among black residents was four deaths per 100,000 residents in July, and that's almost three times what the rate was for white residents during that same time period. With the decrease in mortality rates among black residents in October uh, to less than one death per 100,000 people, black residents currently have the lowest mortality rate in LA County. And the mortality rate, uh, while we see that the mortality rate among Asian residents is now about 2.7 deaths per 100,000 people. We are relieved to see that the gaps in mortality rates among our groups continues to narrow, but we're mindful that much work remains to be done. Uh, next slide. When we look at cases by area poverty, we see that area income has a direct correlation with case numbers. Cases per 100,000 people in areas with the most resources are far lower than the uh, rates that we see in areas with the fewest resources. And although we continue to see decreases in case rates across all communities, the gaps between communities with the fewest resources and communities with the most resources have narrowed only slightly. During the July peak, there were about 350 cases per 100,000 people in the areas with the highest poverty rates. That's the orange line. And this was over twice that of, uh, for the rate uh, among cases that were seen uh, in people who were living in communities with little poverty. That's the blue line. Uh, that was about 146 cases per 100,000 individuals. As of October 11th, cases among people living in areas with high rates of poverty is 98 cases per 100,000 people. Again, a significant drop. Uh, but that remains almost twice the rate for people living in areas with the most resources, the blue line, which is now at about 55 cases per 100,000 people. Next slide. Uh, and we continue to also see higher mortality rates among people living in areas with fewer resources, even while we're seeing, as you can see on this slide, uh, decreases in everyone's death rates. This last week, for the first time, 
We've seen a narrowing of the gap in mortality rates among people living in communities with the highest poverty when compared to people living in the areas with the lowest. During our peak in July, the mortality rate among people living in areas with the fewest resources was 6.5 deaths per 100,000 people. And that was over three times the rate for people living in the higher resource areas. As of uh, October 11th, the mortality rate among people living in areas with the fewest resources was 1.5 deaths per 100,000 people. And this is now less than twice that for people living in the highest resource areas. But because this gap has been slow to decrease over the past months, we're watching closely to see if this trend will continue. And overall, as you see on this next slide, we're making progress closing gaps among groups disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. I'll take the next slide. Among uh, Latinx and black residents, we've significantly reduced gaps in cases and deaths and for black residents, gaps have also decreased for cases of hospitalizations. However, we started seeing a slight increase in the gap when we looked at hospitalization rates between Latinx residents and our white residents. Uh, for areas in LA County that have high rates of poverty, there's also been slight decreases in the gaps in case and death rates when compared to areas in the county with low levels of poverty. It is clear, however, although we've made progress, there is still much work that we need to do to close the gaps. And we'll need to do that work with trusted partners so that we can address the inequitable distribution of resources and opportunities that are essential for optimal health and well-being. We're also working hard with our business partners to ensure that they're able to adhere to the required protocols that protect their employees and their customers. Over the next few weeks, we're contracting with many more community organizations so that they're able to connect with residents needing support with testing, access to health care, and resources for quarantining and isolating. And I want to thank the state and the governor uh, for agreeing to help us with this effort as well. Our hope is to strengthen the safety net for those exposed to COVID-19. And we do thank everyone committed to promoting health equity for everyone who lives and works here in LA County. And now to update you on our current status. I wanna first note that we've been experiencing some significant technical issues with data reporting systems. And this has resulted in delays, particularly around case reporting and test positivity rates. Therefore, the data I reported yesterday and the data we're reporting today are likely to be an undercount of new cases in the county. We are hopeful that we will be able to resolve um, the data delays so that uh, by the end of this week, we're able to both fix the numbers for the entire week, but also move forward with more accurate counts every day. This really just affects uh, our case data. Um, and it's really a problem that uh, originates with uh, sort of our ability to process the lab reports. Uh, we are sad to report, though, uh, 33 additional people passed away today. 12 people who died are over the age of 80, and 11 of the people who died in this age group had underlying health conditions. 18 people who died were between the ages of 65 and 79, and 16 people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Three people who passed away were between the ages of 50 and 64, 
and all people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Of the 33 newly reported deaths today, nine were people who resided in our skilled nursing facilities. This does unfortunately bring the total number of deaths to 6,944 in LA County. Every day, we think about the many people across our county who are grieving a family member or friend who passed away from COVID-19. Please note that we wish you peace during this very difficult time. For the 6,538 people who passed away where race and ethnicity has been identified, 52% are Latino, Latina, Latinx, 23% are white, 14% are Asian, 10% are black, slightly less than 1% are Native Hawaiian or Pacific Islander, and 1% identified with another race or ethnicity. Uh, we're reporting 510 new cases today. Again, this is an undercount, uh, but it does bring the total number of cases in LA County to 290,486. This includes a total of 12,754 cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 2,692 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. We're reporting a total of 1,979 confirmed cases amongst people experiencing homelessness. Currently, 758 people are hospitalized with COVID-19. 28% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU, and about 14% are on ventilators. We've investigated a total of 2,043 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Currently, we have 386 ongoing investigations. Uh, we've closed 1,657 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is 36,724. This includes 18,408 among uh, residents and 18,316 among staff. We are sad to report that 2,995 residents in institutional settings have died from COVID-19. 2,663 of the people who died resided in our skilled nursing facilities. Uh, we reported uh, 3,867 confirmed cases at some point in our jail facilities. 3,393 are among people who are incarcerated and 474 are among staff. There are 259 cases in the state prison, 193 are amongst people who are incarcerated, and 66 are among staff. And there are 760 cases in the federal prison facilities, 743 among people who are incarcerated, and 17 among staff. Today, there's 160 cases in the juvenile facilities. This includes 74 among youth and 86 among staff. To date in LA County, 2.9 million people have been tested and had test results reported to LA County a Health Department. The cumulative positivity rate is slightly under 9%. Uh, in closing, I do want to acknowledge what we as a community continue to accomplish together. We've been living with the realities of the pandemic for over eight months, and they have been full of losses and difficulties. Uh, yet, we have made progress working together. We've slowed the spread of the virus, and we've avoided overwhelming our healthcare system 
And these are things that have happened all across uh, the country. Uh, we did this in large part because so many people took thoughtful actions in their day-to-day -day lives. As we head into a season with many holidays and as we all celebrate the victories of our amazing sports teams, uh, we can be very tempted to relax our diligence. But unfortunately, if we do, it will only result in more cases, and that makes it difficult for us to move forward in our recovery, and it also leads to unnecessary illness and even death. So as a reminder, we have tools that we need to work with, and we ask you to please continue doing so. If you're congregating uh, with, two or, with two other households, as now is allowed here in the county, please remember that that's outside. So if you're watching TV together, that TV needs to be outside as you watch the games. Uh, we need to always have our cloth face coverings on when we're with people outside of our household and maintain that distance, as Supervisor Barger reminded us, of at least six feet. Importantly, this is also the time to get immunized for influenza. It's best to get immunized before we hit flu season. And getting a flu immunization is an easy way for you to protect yourself and contribute not only to preventing flu from uh, being transmitted in our community, but also preventing us from overwhelming our healthcare system as we cope with increased utilization from having both flu and COVID-19 circulating at the same time. If you need to find a flu clinic near you, you can visit preventflula.com. And now we'll take your questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask any questions on the phone, you may press 1, then 0 on your telephone keypad. You can withdraw your question at any time by repeating the 1-0 command. And if you are using a speakerphone, please pick up the handset before pressing the numbers. Once again, for questions, you may press 1, then 0 at this time. Also, it has been requested if you can limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. We'll go first to David Rosenfeld with LA Daily News. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you so much. Uh, first off, I was wondering, can you go back and uh, more slowly go through what uh, Supervisor Barger announced in the beginning? Um, one was going from 25, going from 10% to 25% of schools. Didn't quite understand that and when exactly that would happen. And on the reservations for the breweries, when exactly that change would take place. And, and secondly, um, just overall, you know, we just heard a lot of good news that you were presenting uh, in terms of the racial disparities, hospitalizations are down, deaths are down, um, the cases are spreading mostly, you said, among younger people. So it sounds like a lot of things are going well, but yet, you know, there's still this, this sense of, um, of uh, that, that it's dire, that, that we're not really going to get out of this. So I, I wonder, you know, a lot of people hear this and they think that, um, you know, this is sort of uh, made up or we're changing the, the goalposts or the goals at this point. Um, and I have to say, I mean, it, 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 it seems like that sometimes, given the good news that you've reported. So I wonder how you sure. can, if you could respond to that, please. Sure. I'm going to let Dr. Ferrer talk. But on the 10% to 25% for schools, they're working out the specifics in terms of how that's going to be. Um, so they're putting together the protocol for that. And I, I think probably by next week, maybe, 
uh, on the um, brewery. It's aligning the brewery and wineries. It's aligning with the state, and I think the public health order will come out on Friday regarding that. But it's going to be exactly what the state guideline um, mandates. Uh, so that's we're taking that language and implement or and inputting it into the public health order. But I'll let Dr. Furr talk more about um, the other part. Sure, sure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I think the, the question's uh, really critical about, you know, if, if our data's looking better than it was, you know, why, why don't we feel like we're making as much progress as, as we want to be making? And I think, I think there's probably two realities here. The first is our data looking good really is a sort of the absence at this point of us seeing huge increases. I mean, you just have to look around the country to note how hard we all have to work to just not get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Because the more things are opened up, the more we interact with each other. And that means the more protections we have to take with every single one of those interactions. So I like to applaud us because you look around and you see how many other places are getting into a lot of trouble with their reopenings. Um, because the reality is you level off, people feel better, we feel like we're making progress, but then we have more interactions. And if we're not super careful when we have more interactions, we end up with those spikes that we all want to avoid. I don't think there's anything that's being made up here. I mean, we are getting very close to a horrible threshold here in L.A. County of losing 7,000 people to COVID-19. Um, we report every day about thousands of people uh, that have tested positive over a week of time and hundreds of people that are in our hospitals. And everybody who's been touched by this disease knows that for some people, uh, it takes a long time for them to get well. So there's nothing made up here. Uh, and particularly if you've either uh, suffered yourself, had a family member who suffered with COVID-19 or lost somebody, you know that we're not making up anything here and that there's been a tremendous burden uh, in some of our families um, and, and our hearts go out to everyone. But I do think it is hard to be months into a pandemic that we all hoped would be over by now and still reminding all of us every day about the fact that in order to continue to make progress, we have to double down and use the tools that we have. Uh, and making progress at this point is two things. The first is no spikes, no increases, because that really then sets us off uh, on a trajectory that's, uh, that, as we know, took us six weeks uh, to recover from. And hopefully, as we're not seeing increases, we're also doubling down in ways that actually reduce the level of community transmission so that, as we would all like to, we end up being able to move uh, in the next few weeks over to Tier 2. But with that, we'll take the next question. Thank you. And our next question from the line of Claudia Pashuda with KNX News Radio. Your line is open. Thank you. Um, will the county be allowing massage and tattoo parlors and other personal care services to reopen uh, to align with the state guidance? And uh, if not, why not? And then uh, also, uh, the number of uh, cases, new cases you mentioned among homeless people, uh, that's close to 100 new cases over the past week, and that's, that's from a quick check about twice as many as usual, and I'm wondering uh, what you might attribute that to. Thank you. Sure. Dr. Fur. 
Sure. Thanks uh, for both questions, Claudia. Um, yes, we'll be looking um, at, you know, again, at, at reviewing exactly what changes the state made for reopening all personal care services to counties that are in Tier 1. And again, you know, as Supervisor Barger announced, uh, we're really working towards trying to make changes uh, by Friday. Uh, but we'll be working and, and, and talking with our board about the timeline and exactly what those protocols will look like here in L.A. County. Uh, you know, as everybody knows, uh, hair salons and nail salons are already reopened for indoor services. So this is really getting at many of the more individualized personal care services. This would include tattoos, uh, you know, people that, that apply tattoos, uh, electrology services, massage therapy, um, and uh, waxing services. Uh, and, uh, and of course, um, you know, we will need to rewrite our guidance uh, so that those uh, services can, in fact, open indoors. They're allowed outdoors. Some of them, some are not. Uh, but they can now reopen back indoors, but again, with the modifications that create a lot of safety for both customers and workers. Uh, and in terms of your question on uh, did we see a doubling of cases amongst people experiencing homelessness, I haven't seen the final report uh, for this week. Uh, we usually get that report uh, later on in the week, um, so we'll have to get back to you and we'll verify uh, those numbers once we, once we look at the final report uh, for this week. Um, but thanks for that, and, and somebody will get back to you, Claudia, uh, once we look at the numbers for the week. Um, and with that, we'll take one more question. Thank you. That is from the line of Trick Healy with NBC4. Please go ahead. Hi. Thank you very much. Uh, doctor, kind of following up on Claudia's question, uh, I know you're waiting for the final numbers, but uh, apparently there was an outbreak at the Union Rescue Mission. Uh, do you have more information about that? Do you, and do you have a feeling that, that that is under control now? And secondly, do you have a new R number you can share with us this week? Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Uh, sure, thanks a lot. I'll, I'll answer the first question, and then I'll, I'll Dr. Galley, if she's got more information on, on the, the second question. Um, so, yes, we, we're aware, and, you know, again, I want to thank Andy Bales and his entire team at Rescue Mission uh, for doing all the work that they're doing and have been doing all along on managing cases and now small outbreaks at the Rescue Mission. Uh, we are working closely with them to contain the outbreak to offer services and support uh, both to people who have tested positive and also to people who need to be quarantined uh, and isolated. So I think it is uh, being managed and, and managed uh, well. I want to also acknowledge we work really closely with the team from the Department of Health Services uh, in working with all of our, our shelter providers. Um, so uh, our sense is that, yes, this is managed uh, and uh, all along, we've been seeing uh, outbreaks, uh, you know, in congregate living uh, settings. Uh, what I think uh, sets L.A. apart is that uh, we have close co cooperation and collaboration uh, with uh, all the interim housing uh, sites so that we can come in quickly and, uh, and really help make sure uh, that we're doing our very best to prevent as much spread as possible. And I'll, I'll ask uh, Dr. Galley to come up for the second question. You couldn't hear the second oh, part of the question. Uh, on the R. Do you have Hi, thanks. The slides are posted on the LA County and the Department of Health Services website for the hospital bed demand modeling. And the R as listed in those slides for this week is being uh, estimated at 1.04. That's virtually the same, if you'll recall, as last week when it was 1.05. 
And uh, we'll now turn it over to Spanish language remarks. Thank you. Buenas tardes. Hoy los mantendremos al día sobre los indicadores que utilizamos para que uh, también uh, estemos, para, para ver qué también estamos frenando la propagación de COVID-19 en nuestras comunidades. Hemos logrado un gran progreso en el condado de Los Ángeles desde que vimos uh, el aumento de casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos a mediados de julio. Uh, pero en las últimas semanas hemos visto pequeños aumentos en casos y tasas de positividad de los exámenes, exámenes de COVID-19 que nos preocupa uh, a medida que reabrimos escuelas y negocios. Uh, con más interacción entre personas, uh, existe un mayor riesgo de transmisión que pueda resultar en que las personas puedan enfermarse gravemente y hasta fallecer. Por lo tanto, eh, observamos estos datos de cerca para comprender cómo las acciones que tomamos para frenar la propagación de COVID-19 um, y también para um, reabrir sectores están afectando a nuestras comunidades en el condado de Los Ángeles. Ahora nos gustaría darles una actualización sobre las escuelas. A partir del 19 de octubre, el Departamento de Salud Pública recibió 110 solicitudes para que las escuelas puedan reabrir uh, para la instrucción en persona en los grados de kinder de transición al segundo grado. Se han recibido 87 solicitudes eh, de escuelas privadas, 18 solicitudes de escuelas autónomas uh, conocidas como charter schools y 5 solicitudes de escuelas públicas. Hasta la fecha se han emitido aprobaciones de programas de permisos a cuatro escuelas y como recordatorio, el proceso de aprobación una vez que se envía una solicitud completa es de alrededor de dos a tres semanas. Además, 986 escuelas han reabierto para instrucción en persona para estudiantes con mayores necesidades. El 13% son escuelas privadas. El 18% son escuelas autónomas y el 69% son escuelas públicas. Casi 35,000 estudiantes y 20,000 uh, empleados han regresado a la escuela para instrucción en persona. Ahora nos gustaría ver los indicadores de recuperación. Uh, Este gráfico nos muestra los casos reportados a diario desde el 17 de abril hasta el 17 de octubre. Como podemos ver, los casos se redujeron notablemente a menos de 800 casos por día desde principios de agosto hasta principios de septiembre. Sin embargo, desde mediados de septiembre empezamos a ver un aumento de casos diarios. ¿Cuál es el motivo de preocupación? En los últimos días, el promedio del número de casos ha sido de unos mil por día. Next slide, please. Este gráfico nos muestra el porcentaje de pruebas que se realizan y dan positivo. La tasa de positividad de la prueba está determinada por la cantidad de transmisión comunitaria que está ocurriendo y la disponibilidad de pruebas generalizadas. Desde el aumento que vimos en julio en casos, tasas de positividad, 
hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos. Uh, hemos visto que las tasas de positividad han disminuido y se han uh, estabilizado. A finales de julio, la tasa de positividad fue del 7.6% y durante el mes pasado fue de un 3.4%. Sin embargo, al igual que en los datos de nuestros casos, este ligero aumento debe vigilarse cuidadosamente. Next slide, please. Continuamos rastreando la cantidad diaria de personas con COVID-19 que están hospitalizadas para comprender el impacto que tiene COVID-19 en el sistema de atención médica. Al igual que en el gráfico anterior, ha habido una disminución y estabilización en el número de pacientes hospitalizados por causas de COVID-19 um, desde finales de julio. Hemos estado por debajo de mil pacientes hospitalizados al día durante septiembre y actualmente el condado de Los Ángeles tiene un promedio de men menos de 800 pacientes hospitalizados por día. Todavía no hemos visto un gran aumento de hospitalizaciones, ya que los casos han aumentado recientemente. Cabe destacar que el número de casos nuevos entre las personas más jóvenes está incrementando en nuestro condado. Y como bien sabemos, este es un grupo que tiene menos probabilidad de enfermarse gravemente por COVID-19. Uh, esto puede reflejar el retraso entre los aumentos en los casos y los aumentos en las hospitalizaciones que, uh, que suelen resultar después de uh, aumentos en casos. Next slide, please. Nos sentimos alivia aliviados de seguir viendo una disminución en los fallecimientos por causa de COVID-19. Esto se debe a una disminución general eh, de la cantidad de personas que se enferman gravemente por el virus, pero también a los enormes avances que hemos visto uh, de parte de los profesionales de salud uh, en nuestra comunidad uh, cuando tiene que ver con mejores tratamientos. Desde el aumento a fines de julio en el promedio de fallecimientos diarios de 44 al día, eh, ha disminuido de forma continua con el promedio diario de la semana pasada variando entre 11 a 13 fallecimientos por día. Nos alegra ver que los fallecimientos están disminuyendo, ah, por lo tanto nos mantenemos al pendiente sabiendo que si los casos continúan aumentando, ah, es posible que nuevamente veamos más hospitalizaciones y fa fallecimientos en las próximas semanas. Next slide, please. Nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación es afectada por el plan Una Economía Más Segura del Estado, que proporciona un marco escalonado que coloca a los condados en uno de los cuatro niveles, según tres indicadores que miden el nivel de transmisión comunitaria. Las opciones para la reapertura de diferentes áreas y las actividades permitidas están organizadas con cada nivel. Uh, como bien sabemos, este gráfico nos muestra los límites de los uh, indicadores establecidos por el estado para determinar cuándo los condados puedan pasar a un nuevo nivel. Next slide, please. Actualmente, el condado de Los Ángeles continúa en el nivel 1 con una transmisión generalizada de enfermedades en la comunidad. 
Nuestra tasa de casos sigue siendo alta en 7.6 por cada 100,000 personas y este es el motivo por la cual permanecemos en el nivel más restrictivo. Nuestra tasa de positividad aún se encuentra dentro de los límites del nivel 3 uh, en 3.4% y esto es una pequeña disminución con respecto a la semana pasada. Nuestra tasa de positividad en las áreas de menores recursos del condado de Los Ángeles también ha disminuido ligeramente con respecto a la semana pasada. Esta semana la tasa publicara, publicada por el estado es de 5.9% colocándolos en el nivel 2 para este indicador. Puede ser desalentador que aún no hayamos reducido nuestra tasa de casos lo suficiente como para pasar al nivel 2. Hay una gran cantidad de transmisión comunitaria en el condado de Los Ángeles. Es importante destacar que en este momento todos nosotros debemos tener el mayor cuidado posible y utilizar las herramientas que bien conocemos para reducir la transmisión en nuestras comunidades. Eh, no solo queremos progresar eventualmente a un nivel menos restrictivo, sino que también queremos poder seguir manteniendo abiertas las instituciones y los negocios. Next slide, please. Ahora nos gustaría darles una actualización sobre los grupos más afectados que continúan experimentando tasas extremadas de casos, hospitalizaciones y fallecimientos. Este gráfico muestra a lo largo del tiempo los casos de COVID-19 por raza y etnicidad. Estas líneas de tendencia muestran que con el tiempo nuestros casos están disminuyendo en todos los grupos y nos complace ver que las brechas están comenzando a cerrarse. A mediados de julio, el promedio de casos diarios entre los residentes latinos, la línea amarilla, aproximadamente es de 200 por cada 100,000 personas. Esto fue aproximadamente cuatro veces más alta que la de los residentes blancos, la línea anaranjada, de 50 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Y cinco veces mayor que la de los residentes asiáticos, la línea azul, de 37 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Los casos entre los residentes uh, afroamericanos, la línea verde, de 80 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Uh, aquí podemos observar que fue mucho más alta que la de los residentes blancos y asiáticos. Hasta el 11 de octubre, la tasa de casos entre los residentes latinos continúa siendo más alta que la de los otros grupos y actualmente es de 51 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Se trata de un aumento de la tasa de principios de septiembre alrededor de 40 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Sin embargo, esto es el doble que la de los residentes blancos con 26 casos por cada 100,000 personas, en comparación con la tasa de julio que fue de cuatro veces más alta. Podemos observar que la tasa de casos entre los afroamericanos es menor que la de los residentes blancos, es de 21 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Además, la tasa de casos entre los asiáticos sigue siendo la más baja y es de 11 casos por cada 100,000 personas. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra el promedio de hospitalizaciones diarias por cada 100,000 personas por raza y etnicidad. Y vemos una disminución significativa similar en todos los grupos y un cierre de las brechas uh, entre la tasa de latinos y afroamericanos. 
a la vez con la tasa de otros grupos. Durante el aumento de mediados de julio, las hospitalizaciones entre latinos fueron cuatro veces más alta que la de los residentes blancos por cada 100,000 personas. Y la tasa de hospitalización diaria entre los residentes afroamericanos fue el doble que la de los residentes blancos de siete por día, uh, sí, perdón, siete por cada 100,000 personas. Al 10 de octubre, las hospitalizaciones entre los latinos eran de 7.6 por cada 100,000 personas, un poco más del doble que la, la de los residentes blancos, con tres hospitalizaciones por cada 100,000 habitantes. Las hospitalizaciones entre los residentes afroamericanos fueron el doble que la de los residentes blancos en julio. Y las hospitalizaciones entre los residentes afroamericanos fueron de 4.4 por, eh, por cada 100,000 personas. Los residentes asiáticos tienen las hospitalizaciones más bajas, 1.5 por cada 100,000 personas. Es importante señalar a medida que continuamos con los esfuerzos para eliminar la desproporcionalidad que debemos ser conscientes de las brechas uh, y que no, está, no se están cerrando porque las tasas están aumentando en las comunidades con tasas más bajas. Next slide, please. Si bien la cantidad de fallecimientos que hemos visto por causas de COVID-19 en todo nuestro condado es devastadora, uh, favorablemente continuamos observando una gran disminución en los fallecimientos en todos los grupos uh, por raza y etnicidad. Durante el aumento de julio, la tasa de mortalidad entre los residentes latinos fue de 6 por cada 100,000 personas, uh, cuatro veces la de las personas que viven en áreas de altos recursos. El 11 de octubre, la tasa de mortalidad entre las personas latinas bajó a, a 1.3 muertes por cada 100,000 habitantes, el doble que la, de las personas blancas y asiáticas que vieron una muerte por cada 100,000 habitantes. Next slide, please. Cuando vemos los casos por área de pobreza, vemos que el ingreso del área tiene, uh, está relacionada directamente con el número de casos. Los casos por cada 100,000 habitantes en las zonas de altos recursos son mucho por debajo que los casos que vemos en las zonas de bajos recursos. Seguimos viendo uh, disminuciones en todas las comunidades y las brechas entre las comuni comunidades de muy bajos recursos y las comunidades de altos recursos se están reduciendo un poco. En el aumento de julio, en los casos entre las personas que viven en las áreas con recursos um, más altos, la línea anaranjada, uh, fueron de 350 casos por 100,000 uh, habitantes, mucho más elevada que la de las personas que viven en las áreas con menos recursos, la línea azul, quienes alcanzaron un máximo de 146 casos por cada 100,000 habitantes. Como observamos el 11 de octubre, los casos entre las personas que viven en las áreas de bajos recursos es de 98 por cada 100,000 habitantes. Este número es menor que el de las personas que viven en las áreas de altos recursos y con 55 casos por cada 100,000 uh, en las comunidades de niveles muy bajos de pobreza. Next slide, please. 
Además, uh, seguimos viendo también tasas de mortalidad más altas entre las personas que viven en áreas con menos recursos, incluso cuando todos los grupos están observando disminuciones. Y en la última semana, más o menos, hemos visto una reducción de la brecha en las tasas de mortalidad entre las personas que viven en comunidades con recursos muy bajos comparado con las personas que viven en las áreas con recursos más altos. Durante el aumento, la tasa de mortalidad entre las personas que viven en las áreas de bajos recursos fue de 6.5 fallecimientos por cada 100,000 personas, tres veces más que las personas que viven en áreas de altos recursos. Next slide, please. Entonces, eh, nos preguntamos, ¿cómo estamos cerrando las brechas entre los grupos que están siendo impactados de manera exagerada por causas de COVID-19? Entre los residentes latinos y afroamericanos que experimentan desigualdades, estamos cerrando las brechas en casos y fallecimientos. Uh, sin embargo, eh, estamos viendo un pequeño aumento de la brecha entre las hospitalizaciones entre los residentes latinos y las personas blancas. Para las áreas del condado de Los Ángeles que tienen un alto nivel de pobreza, hemos visto cierto progreso. Aún continuamos viendo un ligero cierre de las brechas en los casos y ahora estamos observando una reducción de las brechas en las tasas de mortalidad. Cabe destacar, aún queda mucho trabajo por hacer para continuar, perdón, continuar cerrando estas brechas y por ello estamos trabajando con socios que están resolviendo el problema de las desigualdades uh, de las iniciativas de recursos y oportunidades que son esenciales tanto para la sal salud como para un mejor bienestar de nuestros residentes. También seguimos trabajando duro con los negocios para ayudar a implementar los protocolos necesarios que protejan tanto a los empleados como a los clientes. Y ahora para actualizarlo sobre nuestros datos de hoy, estamos tristes de reportar 33 fallecimientos adicionales. Esto eleva el número total de fallecimientos a 6,944 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Hoy también estamos reportando 510 casos nuevos. Esto eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 290,486. Estamos reportando 1,979 casos confirmados entre personas sin hogar. Actualmente hay 758 casos confirmados. El 28% de estas personas se encuentran en unidad, unidades de cuidados intensivos y el 14% están en ventiladores. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 36,724, incluidos personal y residentes. Y también nos da tristeza informar que 2,995 residentes de entornos institucionales han fallecido por causas de COVID-19 y 2,663 de estas personas que fallecieron residían en centros de enfermería especializada. Hoy también reportamos 3,867 casos confirmados en algún momento en las instalaciones de la cárcel. Hay 259 casos en la prisión estatal, 760 casos en las prisiones federales, 1,160 casos en los centros de menores. Más de 2.9 millones de resultados de pruebas de COVID-19 uh, se han reportado al condado de Los Ángeles. 
Y para terminar, queremos reconocer todo lo que hemos logrado uh, como comunidad y que aún seguimos logrando juntos. Llevamos ocho meses viviendo la realidad de esta pandemia. Y como todos sabemos, lamentablemente han estado llenas de pérdidas y dificultades. Sin embargo, hemos progresado juntos. Además, hemos frenado la propagación del virus y evitado que el condado de Los Ángeles tenga los hospitales llenos de cantidades de personas y fallecimientos como, como hemos visto en otras comunidades en todo el país. Vale destacar que hemos sido cuidadosos en tratar de llevar una vida simple y adaptarnos a esta pandemia en nuestra vida diaria. A medida que vamos entrando en estos mesos, meses de días festivos hay actividades para celebrar, puede uh, ser muy tentador dejar de ser cuidadoso. Por ello, ahora más que nunca es muy importante seguir siendo cautelosos. Todos queremos avanzar en nuestro viaje hacia la recuperación y todos debemos de prevenir uh, enfermedades y fallecimientos innecesarios. Por último, como recordatorio, es importante que sigamos utilizando las herramientas que tenemos y por ello usted debe usar una cubierta de tela, perdón, una cubierta para la cara cuando esté fuera de su casa y cerca de otras personas. Mantener una distancia física de al menos de seis pies con personas que no sean de su hogar. Lavarse las manos con frecuencia y evitar tocarse la cara con las manos, con las manos uh, sucias. Y aislarse si es positivo para COVID-19 uh, o esté preparado uh, o esté esperando perdón, los resultados de la prueba. Es, es importante también que se ponga en cuarentena si ha estado expuesto a, o ha estado en contacto cercano con alguna persona que eh, fue diagnosticado con COVID-19. Todos tenemos la responsabilidad personal de reducir la transmisión de COVID-19 y depende de nosotros mantener nuestra comunidad lo más segura posible durante la temporada navideña. Además, uh, queremos recomendarles a todos a que se pongan la vacuna contra la gripe este año. La vacuna contra la gripe es una de las maneras más fáciles y de gran ayuda para protegerse y prevenir la propagación de la gripe en nuestra comunidad. De esta manera, ayudará a reducir la carga sobre el sistema de atención médica, ya que aquellos están uh, atendiendo a los pacientes con COVID-19. La vacuna contra la gripe es simple y se puede hacer a través del uh, consultorio de su médico, en su farmacia uh, local o en muchas clínicas de forma gratuita y está proporcionada por el Departamento de Salud Pública o el Departamento de Servicios de Salud. Para encontrar una clínica gratis acerca de usted para la vacuna contra la gripe, visite preventflu.la.com. Uh, and now we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Շնորհակալություն վերահսկիչ բարգերեն եւ ամբողջ վերահսկիչ խորհրդին։ Բարիոր բոլորին։ Այսօր ես ձեզ կտեղեկացնեմ ցուցանիշներ, որոնք մենք օգտագործում ենք հասկանալու համար, թե որքանով ենք համայնքներում COVID-19 տարածումը դանդաղեցնում։ Հուլիսի կեսերին դեպքերի հոսպիտալացման եւ մահվան դեպքերի մեծ ալիք զգացինք, երբ մենք մեծ առաջընթաց էինք գրանցել Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Բայց վերջին մի քանի շափատների ընթացքում դեպքերի եւ տեստերի դրական աճը նկատվում, ինչը մտահոգիչ է։ 
երբ մենք վերաբացվում ենք դպրոցներ եւ ձեռնարկություններ մարդկանց միջև ավելի շատ փող ազդեցությունների արկայության դեպքում փոխանցման վտանգը մեծանում է ինչը կարող է հանգեցնել այն բանին որ մարդիկ լուրջ հիվանդանում են եւ ողբերկական կյանքից հեռանում մենք շարունակում ենք սերտորեն հետևել մեր տվյալներին հասկանալու համար թե ինչպես են տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու գործողություններ ազդում լոս անջելոս շրջանի համայնքների վրա դպրոցական թարմացումներ հոկտեմբերի 19-ի դրությամբ հանրային առողջապահության կողմից ստացվել են 110 դպրոցների դիմումներ թիթեից երկրորդ դասարանների համար տեղում ուսում վերաբացվելու վերաբերյալ մասնավոր դպրոցներից ստացվել են 87 դիմումներ կանադական դպրոցներից ստացվել են 18 դիմումներ իսկ հանրակրթական դպրոցներից ստացել են 5 դիմումներ մինչ օրս 4 դպրոցների համար մերժման հաստատումներ են տրվել եւ որպես հիշեցում ամբողջական դիմում ներկայացնելուց հետո հաստատման գործընթացը տևում է 2-3 շաբաթ բացի այդ 986 դպրոց վերաբացվել են բարձր կարիք ունեցող աշակերտներին տեղում ուսուցման համար 13%-ը մասնավոր դպրոցներ են 18%-ը կանոնադրական 69%-ը հանրակրթական դպրոցներ գրեթե 35000 ուսանող եւ 20000 անձնակազմ վերադարձել են տեղում ուսուցման համար ընդհանուր առմամբ մենք առաջընթացի ենք հասնում որպիսի փակենք տարածությունները խմբերի շրջանում որոնք անհամաչափորեն ազդել են կովիդ-19-ի վրա լատինական եւ սեմամորթ բնակիչների շրջանում մենք զգարիորեն կրճատել ենք դրական դեպքերի հոսպիտալացման եւ մահվան դեպքերի քանակը այնուամենայնիվ մենք սկսեցինք տեսնել փոքր ինչ աճ երբ դիտում ենք լատինական բնակիչների եւ սպիտակամորթ բնակիչների հոսպիտալացման մակարդակը լոս անջելոս շրջանի այն շրջանների համար որոնք աղքատության բարձր մակարդակ ունեն դեպքերի եւ մահացության քանակը մի փոքր նվազում է նկատվել երբ համեմատում ենք աղքատության ցածր մակարդակ ունեցող շրջանների հետ հասկանալի է որ դեռ շատ աշխատանք է անելու եւ մենք կշարունակենք աշխատել գործընկերների հետ լուծելու ռեսուրսների եւ հնարավորությունների անհավասար բաշխումը որոնք անհրաժեշտ են օպտիմալ առողջության եւ բարեկեցության համար մենք նաև քրտնաջան աշխատում ենք բիզնեսների հետ ապահովելու համար որ նրանք հավատարի մնան պահանջվող արձանագրություններին որոնք պաշտպանում են աշխատողներին եւ հաճախորդներին հաջորդ մի քանի շափատների ընթացքում մենք պայմանագիր ենք ընկելու համայնքային կազմակերպությունների հետ կապ հաստատելու համար այն բնակիչների հետ ովքեր աջակցության կարիք ունեն տեստերի, առողջապահական խնամքի եւ կարանտինացման եւ մեկուսացման ռեսուրսների հետ։ Մեր հույսն է ամրապնդել անվտանգություն։ Ցածր COVID-19-ի ենթարկվածների համար։ Մենք շնորհակալություն ենք հայտնում բոլորին, ովքեր պարտավորվել են եւ խթանել առողջապահական արդարությունը։ Ներկա իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 33 մահվան մասին այդ մարդկանցից 12-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր են եւ ունեն ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ 
Հայցունյերկու Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 510 նոր դեպքերի մասին։ Եվ սա բերում է Լոս Անջելոս շրջանի դրական դեպքերի ընդհանուրթիվը 290486-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են Լոնգ Բիչ քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված 12754 դեպքեր, իսկ Փասեդենա քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 2692 դեպքեր որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանումներ։ Մենք հայտնում ենք 1979 հաստատված դեպքեր անոթևան ապրող մարդկան շրջանում։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 758 մարդ, որոնցից 28%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի Կնություններ են կատարվում 2043 ինստիտությոնալ բնավջության հաստատություններում։ Դրանց թվում են ծերանոցներ, ապաստաններ, բուժման կենտրոններ, ոժանդակվող բնակելի հաստատություններ և կրյա կատարողական հիմնարքներ։ Այս դեպքերից 18,408-ը բնակիշներ են և 18,316-ը անձնակազմ։ Ձավով ենք հայտնում, որ 2,995 մարդ, ովքեր ապրում են ինստիտությունալ պայմաններում, մահացել են COVID-19-ից և 2,663-ը գտնվում էին և բնակվում էին բուշ զեկուցում ենք, որ հաստատված 3867 դեպքեր արձանագրվել են կրիակատարողական հիմնարկներում։ Երեք հազար երեք հայր ինսուն երեք դատապարծալ և չորսար յութանասուն չորս աշխատակազ։ Երկուար հիցուն իննը դեպք նհանգային բանտերում 760 դեպք վեդերալ բանտերում, 743 բանտարկյալ և 17 աշխակատակազմ, 160 դեպք անչապահասների հաստատություններում, 74 բանտարկյալ և 84 աշխատակազմ։ Եվ լոս անջելոր շրջանի արձանագրված բոլոր նոր դեպքերի զեկույ Ավելի կան երկու ամբողջ իննը միլոն մարդ տեստավորվել են և արդյունքները զեկուցվել են լոս անջելո շրջան, որից իննը տոքոսը դրական են։ 
Վերջում ես ուզում եմ ընդունել այն, ինչ մենք որպես համայք շարունակում ենք միասին իրականացնել։ Մենք 8 ամիս ապրում ենք այս համաճարակի իրողությունում եւ դրանք լինեն կորուստներով եւ դժվարություններով։ Այն ու ամենայնիվ մենք միասին առաջընթաց են գրանցել։ Մենք դանդաղեցրեցինք վիրուսի տարածումը եւ խուսափեցինք մեր առողջապահական համակարգի գերակշռությունից ինչպես փորձառու էին երկրի այլ համայնքներին մեծ մասամբ մենք դա արեցինք քանի որ շատ մարդիկ իրենց առօրյակ կյանքում մտածված գործողություններ էին ձեռնարկում երբ մենք մտենում ենք բազմաթիվ տոների ժամանակաշրջանին մեր աշխատասիրությունը թուլացնելը կարող է շատ գայթակղիչ լինել դժբախտաբար սակը հանգեցնի նրան որ ավելի շատ դեպքեր կդժվարացնեն մեր ապակինման մեջ առաջ շարժվելը եւ կհանգեցնեն ավել նոր հիվանդությունների եւ մահվան այսպիսով որպես հիշեցում մեր ունեցած գործիքները աշխատում են եւ շարունակենք հետեւել երբ ձեր տանից դուրս եք եւ ուրիշների շրջապատում եք հակեք դեմքի կտորե ծածկ պահպանեք առնվազը 6 ոտնաչափ ֆիզիկական հերավորություն յուրաքանչյուրից ով ձեր տան անդամ չէ ձերքերը հաճախակի լվացեք եւ խուսափեք դեմքին դիպչելուց մեկ ուսացվեք եթե դրական է կովիդ-19-ին կամ սпасում եք տեստի արդյունքներին ինքնա կարանտինացվեք եթե ենթարկվել եք վիրուսին կամ եղել եք սերտ շփման մեջ մեկի հետ ով դրական է կովիդ-19-ով եւ ամենակարևորը գրիպի դեմ պատվաստման ժամանակն է գրիպի պատվաստում ստանալը ձեր համար ինքնապաշտպանության եւ գրիպի տարածումը կանխարգելու հեշտ միջոց է ինչը իր հերթին օգնում է նվազացնել առողջապահական համակարգի բերը գրիպի պատվաստում ստանալը պարզ է այն կարող է իրականացվել ձեր ընտանեկան բժշկի գրասենյակում ձեր տեղական դեղատանը կամ հանրային առողջապահության վարչությունում կամ առողջապահական ծառայությունների վարչության կողմից հովանավորվող բազմաթիվ անվճար կլինիկաներից մեկում գրիպի պատվաստում իրականացնող կլինիկա ընդգնելու համար այցելեք preventflu.la.com կայքը շնորհակալություն thank you now the remarks in korean ညာရှင်းနိကာ 오늘은 우리 커뮤니티에서 코비드19의 확산을 늦추기 위해서 얼마나 잘하고 있는지를 이해할 수 있는 몇 가지 기준점을 살펴볼 것입니다. 먼저 학교에 대한 업데이트를 알려드리겠습니다. 10월 19일까지 110개의 학교에서 TK부터 2학년까지 대면 수업을 위한 신청서를 보건국에 제출했습니다. 87개는 사립학교, 18개는 차터학교, 5개는 공립학교였습니다. 지금까지 4개의 학교가 허락이 되었고 상기시켜드리는 바로는 신청서가 접수된 후 허가를 받기까지 2주에서 3주의 시간이 소요됩니다. 그에 더해 986개의 학교에서 특별한 도움이 필요한 학생들을 위한 대면 수업을 시작하였습니다. 13%는 사립학교, 18%는 차터학교, 69%는 공립학교입니다. 3만 5천 명의 학생들과 2만 명의 직원들이 학교로 돌아왔습니다. 회복 대시보드와 관련된 수치에 대한 업데이트입니다. 4월 17일부터 10월 17일까지의 케이스 수를 비교해보면 
8월 초부터 9월 초까지 케이스 수가 하루에 800개 이하로 크게 감소했음을 볼수 있습니다. 그러나 9월 중순부터 1일 케이스 수가 조금씩 올라갔으며 지난주에는 1일 평균 케이스 수가 1000개였습니다. 양성 확진률을 보면 7월 말에 양성 확진률은 7.6%였고 지난달에는 확진률이 3.4%였습니다. 코비드19로 인한 병원에 입원한 자들의 수를 보면 7월 말부터 코비드19의 환자 수가 줄어들었고 유지되었음을 볼수 있습니다. 9월 대부분의 1,000명 아래의 환자 수를 보았고 최근에는 평균 800명 아래로 유지되고 있습니다. 케이스 수가 많이 늘었지만 병원 입원자 수가 크게 늘지 않은 것을 볼때 이것은 우리 커뮤니티에서 어, 새로운 케이스 수가 대부분 젊은 층의 사람들이며 이 그룹은 코비드19로 인해 신한, 심각한 질병에 걸리지 않는다는 것을 볼수 있습니다. 사망자 수와 관련해서 7월 말에 평균 1일 사망자 수는 44명이었고 그 이후로 계속해서 수치가 줄어들고 있는데 지난주에 평균 1일 사망자 수는 11에서 13명이었습니다. LA 카운티의 회복 단계와 관련해서 LA 카운티는 여전히 1단계에 머물러 있는데 커뮤니티의 감염 전파가 많이 되고 있는 상태입니다. 케이스류는 여전히 10만 명당 7.6이고 이 때문에 여전히 가장 제한적인 단계인 1단계에 머물러 있습니다. 확중률은 여전히 3단계로 3.4%이며 이 수치는 지난주보다 약간 더 줄어드는 상태입니다. 카운티에서 가장 리소스가 부족한 지역의 확중률도 역시 줄어들어서 5.9%이며 이 수치는 회복 단계에서 2단계에 해당하는 수치입니다. 우리가 아직도 케이스률이 2단계에 가지 못한 것은 어, 낙담이 되는 일이지만 우리는 커뮤니티에서 확산율을 낮출 수 있는 모든 도구를 이미 가지고 있습니다. 우리는 덜 제한적인 다음 단계로 가는 것뿐만 아니라 사업체들과 여러 기관들이 계속 문을 열수 있도록 하고자 합니다. 인종과 민족성과 관련된 케이스 수를 비교해 보면 10월 10일까지, 11일까지 라틴 계열 주민의 케이스류은 10만 명당 51이었는데 이 수치는 백인이 10만 명당 26 케이스로 두배가 되는 수치입니다. 흑인 주민들의 케이스 수는 7월에는 10만 명당 80개였는데 현재로서는 10만 명당 21개로 백인 주민보다도 더 낮은 수치입니다. 동양인 주민들의 케이스률은 10만 명당 11개로 가장 낮은 수치입니다. 민족과 인종 간의 병원 입원자 수를 비교해보면 10월 10일까지 라틴 계열의 병원 입원자 수는 10만 명당 7.6명. 이 수치는 백인의 10만 명당 3명보다 2배 이상 높은 수치입니다. 흑인 주민의 일일 병원 입원율은 7월에는 백인보다 2배 이상 높았었는데 이제는 10만 명당 4.4로 백인의 10만 명당 3보다 약간만 높은 수치입니다. 동양인 주민의 입원율은 10만 명당 1.5로 가장 낮은 병원 입원율을 가지고 있습니다. 인종과 민족성 간의 사망률을 비교해보면 
10월 11일까지 라틴 계열 주민의 사망률은 10만 명당 1.3으로 줄어들었고 이 수치는 백인과 흑인의 사망률 10만 명당 1 이하보다 2배 정도 높은 수치입니다. 흑인들의 사망률은 10월에 10만 명당 1 이하이므로 LA 카운티에서 가장 낮은 사망률을 보고하였습니다. 지역 주민들의 빈곤 수준을 비교해보면 10월 11일까지 높은 빈곤 지역에 사는 사람들의 케이스률은 10만 명당 98이었습니다. 이 수치는 리소스가 많은 지역에 사는 사람들의 10만 명당 55 케이스보다 2배 정도 높은 수치입니다. 빈곤 수준에 따른 사망률을 비교해보면 10월 11일까지 빈곤 지역의 사망률은 10만 명당 1.5였습니다. 이 수치는 리소스가 많은 지역의 사람들의 사망률보다 2배 이상 높은 수치였습니다. 다시 말하면 우리는 코비드19로 인한 그룹 간의 격차를 점차 줄여가고 있습니다. 라틴 계열과 흑인 주민들 간의 케이스 수와 사망률의 차이가 크게 줄었고 흑인들 간의 병원 입원자 수도 그 격차가 많이 줄었습니다. 그러나 라틴 계열과 백인 주민들의 병원 입원자 수가 점점 늘고 있습니다. LA 카운티의 높은 빈곤 수준 지역에서의 케이스류가 사망률의 격차도 약간 줄어드는 상태입니다. 이제 데일리 리포트 수치를 말씀드리겠습니다. 유감스럽게도 코로나 바이러스로 인해 추가로 33명의 사망자가 보고되었습니다. 이 중에 12명은 80세 이상이고 이중 11명은 기저질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 18명은 65에서 79세 사이이고 이중 16명은 기저질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 3명은 50에서 64세 사이이며 모두 질환을 가지고 있었습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 사망자 수는 6,944명입니다. 인종과 민족성이 알려진 6,538명의 사망자 중에 52%는 라틴 계열, 23%는 백인, 14%는 동양인, 10%는 흑인, 1% 미만은 하와이 태평양섬 원주민, 1%는 기타 인종이었습니다. 오늘로써 510건의 새로운 확진 케이스가 복고되었는데 이 수치는 실제보다는 더 적은 수치일 수도 있습니다. 이로써 로스앤젤레스 카운티에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 29만 486건입니다. 이 수는 롱비치시에서 12,754건, 페사디나시에서 2,692건이 있었으며 이두 시는 각 보건부가 따로 있음을 알려드립니다. 노숙자들 중에 확진 케이스 수는 1,979건이었습니다. 현재 758명이 양성 확진자로 병원에 입원해 있으며 이중 28%는 중환자실에 있고 14%는 인공호흡기에 의존해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 확진 케이스가 나온 총 2,430개의 2,043개의 거주시설과 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 이중 386개는 현재 조사 중이고 1,657개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 시설에서의 총 확진 케이스 수는 36,724건이고 이중 18,408명은 거주자이며 18,316명은 일하는 사람들입니다. 시절에 사는 사람들 중에 사망자 수는 2,995명이고 이중 2,663명은 전문 간호시설에 살고 있었습니다. 
오늘 발표된 33명의 사망자 중에서 9명, 즉 27%는 전문 간호시설 관련 사망 케이스입니다. 교도시설에서는 총 3,867건의 확진 케이스가 있었고 이중 3,393명은 수감자이며 474명은 일하는 사람들이었습니다. 지금까지 LA보건부로 290만 건 이상의 코로나 바이러스 테스트를 받은 것으로 보고되었습니다. 끝으로 우리는 커뮤니티로서 함께 해나가기를 바랍니다. 지난 8개월간 판다믹 가운데 살면서 우리는 많은 어려움과 슬픔을 겪었습니다. 그러나 함께 진전해 나간 점도 있습니다. 바이러스의 확산을 늦추고 의료 서비스 시스템을 과부하되지 않도록 막을 수 있었습니다. 이렇게 할수 있었던 것은 많은 사람들이 매일매일의 생활에서 생각 깊이 행동한 것 때문에 있을 수 있었습니다. 이제 우리는 많은 공휴일이 있는 시즌에 들어서면서 우리의 노력을 더 느슨하게 하기가 쉽습니다. 그렇지만 그렇게 된다면 결국 더 많은 케이스의 발생으로 필요 이상의 질병과 죽음을 맞이하게 될 수도 있습니다. 그러므로 기억해야 할 것은 우리가 가지고 있는 도구들을 모두 사용할 것입니다. 계속 천 얼굴 개르개를 사용하고 집 밖에서 혹은 다른 사람들의 곁에 있을 때 특히 그래야 할 것입니다. 한 가족과 있지 않은 사람들과 천 신체적 거리를 유지하고 어, 특히 6피트의 거리를 유지해야 합니다. 손을 자주 씻고 얼굴을 만지지 말도록 하십시오. 또 코비드19 양성이거나 결과를 기다리는 동안 자가 고립하고 코비드19 양성인 사람들에게 노출되었거나 밀접한 접촉이 있었다면 자가 격리하십시오. 그리고 중요한 것은 어, 요즘이 독감 예방접종을 받을 때인, 때입니다. 독감 예방접종은 자신을 보호하고 우리 커뮤니티에 독감을 확산시키는 것을 막을 수 있는 가장 쉬운 방법입니다. 그렇게 하는 것이 이미 코비드19로 인해 많은 도움이 필요해진 유료 서비스 시스템의 사용을 줄일 수 있는 방법일 것입니다. 독감 주사를 받는 것은 매우 간단한데요. 주치의나 근처의 약국 또는 보건국이나 의료 서비스국에서 스폰서하는 많은 무료 클리닉에서 주사를 받으실 수 있습니다. 가까운 독감 클리닉에 대해서 알고 싶으시다면 웹사이트 preventflula.com.com을 방문하시기 바랍니다. 감사합니다. Next, Alan Chang will brief in Mandarin. Thank you. Thank 住院率或死亡率方面我们都取得了长足的进步但最近这两个星期新冠病例的新冠病例的增加或测试成长率都稍有抬头随着学校或商业的重启这一现象引起我们的担心随着人们的交往的增加传染风险也随之增加这样会造
，我们一直严密监测相关的数据，以便了解我们所采取的措施是否行之有效，是否对重启的部门及整个社区带来影响。我们现在来谈谈学校更新。首先看看学校重启方面的资料概况。截止十月十九号，公共卫生局已收到了总共一百一十份。重新开启课堂教学的特许申请，从小学到高中，其中八十七份来自私立学校，十八份来自合约学校，另外五份来自公立学校，已有四份申请获得了批准。顺便提及一下，整个申请过程需要两到三个星期。另外，已有九百八十六所拥有特殊要求的学校已重启重开，其中百分之十三是私立学校。百分之十八是合约学校，另外百分之六十九为公立学校，将近三万五千名学生和两万名员工已重返课堂。我们现在来看看恢复数据。我们看看这些恢复数据方面的一些数据情况。每日新增病例，这张图显示至四月十。四月十七号到十月十七号的每日病例图，我们可以看出，自八月初开始，每日病例迅速下降，直到九月初达到了八百例。但从九月中旬开始，这一数据又开始慢慢的爬升，这引起了我们的担心。上星期这一数据为平均每天一千例左右，呈阳率。下面的图显示呈阳率。该比率受两个因素影响，一是社区传播的程度，另外一个是测试能力。从七月中旬的成阳率、住院率及死亡人群的高峰后，成阳率一直在稳步下降并达到平衡。在七月下旬，成阳率为百分之七点六，而过去的一个月中，成阳率稳定在百分之三点四左右。同样，像每天新增病例，成阳率最近也有所增加。我们正密切注意这一线变化。每日住院病例，我们一直跟踪每日新冠病例的住院人数，这样我们就可以了解新冠病情对医疗系统带来的影响。与前两个参数一样，自七月底以来，每日住院人数一直稳定下降。九月份大部分时间，每日住院人数都在一千例以下。最近，洛杉矶县每天住院人数稳定在八百例以下。尽管最近每日新增病例有所增加，但住院人数并没有相应的增加。我们注意到，最近年轻患者比例在增加，而年轻人因新冠因新冠病例变重症而进一步需要住院的情况则比较少。这也许说明了为什么病例增加，但住院人数并没增加。每日死亡病例，我们很欣慰，每日死亡病例持续减少，这是因为总体上每日新增的新冠病例较为重症的比例在下降，这也是因为医疗系统有了更好的治疗方法。从七月尾的每日死亡病例达到四百四十例，到星期到上星期每日死亡病例。介于十一到十三之间。尽管我们很欣慰每日死亡病例降低不少，但我们仍时刻警醒。随着病例的增加，在未来的数星期内，我们
，有可能会再次见到死亡病例相应的增加。梯层现状，州政府的梯层分类，我们的重启计划受制于州政府的安全经济蓝图的计划。该计划将所有加州的县分成四个梯层，而梯层的计划分分类依据两个重要数据。及反映社区传播的两项指标，对应每一梯层的，对应每一梯层的制定的对应的经济允许活动的范围。本图表明州政府划分每个梯层的数据。诺县所在的梯层的数据，诺县现在处在第一梯层，即广泛传播梯层。我县每十万人中调整后的病例为七点六人。这也是因为我们仍处在第一梯层的原因。我们的成阳率属于第三梯层，即百分之三点四。这一数据较上星期有所降低。在洛县最贫困的地区，上星期这一比率稍有降低，到达了百分之五点九，这属于第二梯层。尽管我们。因此未能进入第二梯层而略感遗憾，但我们手中握有对付病毒传播的工具。我们不仅要努力进入第二梯层，而且我们还要保持我们的商业和机构开放。每日简报：首先，我要告诉大家，我们遇到了一些技术问题。让资料上报不能及时，所以今天我要报告的数据可能偏低。很不幸，我们又有三十三人因新冠病毒去世，其中十二人是八十岁以上的长者，在这十二人中间有十一人患有其他疾病，十八人年龄介介于六十五岁到七十九岁之间，其中十一人，其中十六人患有其他疾病，三人的年龄。介于五十到六十四岁之间，这三人都患有其他疾病。在这去世的三十三人中，有九人来自熟练护理机构。这样，洛县总死亡人数就达到了六千九百四十四人。每天，我们都在惦记着洛县因失去家人或朋友而悲伤的朋友。我们在此祝福你们。因新冠病毒去世人中。有六千五百三十八人的族裔背景已分类，分类结果如下：拉丁裔占百分之五十二，白人占百分之二十三，亚裔占百分之十四，非裔占百分之十，属夏威夷或太平洋群岛的原住民占比例不足百分之一，另外还有百分之一属其他族裔。今天我们的新天五百一十亿新的病例中，再次说明了这种可能偏低。这样落下。洛杉矶县的总病例数上升到了总病例数上升到了二十九万零四百八十六例。这一数字包括长滩市的一万两千七百五十四例和帕萨迪纳市的两千六百九十二例，两个城市都有独立的市卫生部。我们。其中有一千九百七十九例属于无家可归的人群。现有新增、现有确诊的新冠病患者中有住院人数有七百五十八人，其中百分之二十八的人住在加护病房，有百分之十四的病人使用呼吸机。
，我们已对两千零四十三个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查。这些机构中至少有一个是已知新冠病毒患者，其中三百八十六个人在调查中，一千六百五十七个已结束调查。机构确诊病例的总数为三万六千七百二十四人。其中居民一万八千四百零八人，员工一万八千三百一十六人。我们很沉痛，因新冠病毒去世的人中有两两千九百九十五人来自机构住所，而其中两千六百六十三人来自于熟练互联护理机构。所有的监禁场所的总确诊病例为三千八百六十七人，其中三千三百九十。三人为囚犯，四百七十四人为职员。加州监狱有两百五十九例，其中一百九十三人为囚犯，六十六人为管教人员。联邦监狱有七百六十人，其中七百四十三人为囚犯，十七人为管教人员。少年管教所有一百六十人，其中七十四人为囚犯，八十六人为管教人员。诺县到目前为止有超过两百九十万居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中百分之十的测试呈阳性。注意安全，欢度节日，尽我们自己的义务。作为一个社区，我们要同进退。我们已切实在疫情中度过了八个月之久。我们已经历了损失和磨难，但我们仍取得了成绩。我们成功的减缓了病毒的传播，也避免了将其他地方挤爆医疗系统的状况的发生。我们之所以能够这样，是因为我们中有很多的人每日生活都谨慎而行。当我们进入一个多节日的季节时，我们可能会放松警惕。如果这样，则会有更多的病例，从而影响我们的重启之路。也会造成不必要的病害和死亡，所以我再次提醒大家，利用好我们手中的工具，坚持不懈。当你出门或与家人之外的其他人在一起时，请戴上面罩；与任何非家庭成员在一起时，注意保持六至少六英尺的物理距离。注意要经常洗手，避免触摸面部。如果你呈阳性或者等待测试结果，请自我隔离。如果与阳性患者有过亲密接触或暴露在 COVID-19 之下，请进行自我防疫。而且很重要的一点是，现在是打流感疫苗的时候了。接种流感疫苗有利于我们自我保护，也有助于预防流感在社区的传播。这样的结果是，给已经为 COVID-19 超负荷运货的医疗系统减轻负担。接种流感疫苗很容易，你可以去就近的合同医院，或者去公共卫生局资助的定点疫苗注射站。你可以上以下网站寻找靠近你家的注射站 ：preventflula.com。That concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. 
Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health Podcast.